ladies and gentlemen, we call this Emergency Witch Car Weekly podcast to discuss dark matters. Um, my name is Daniel Gardner, and you're joining us at an unusual, unorthodox time uh, because, of course, the sky fell in yesterday. The inevitable happened. It was the writing on the wall and probably the automotive industry's worst-kept secret. Holden is no more. Gentlemen, uh, I am joined in the podcast studio by the venerable Scott Newman. Don't give me that look when I describe you like that. <laughs> associate, uh, what are you? Associate editor of... Motor Magazine. Yes, I think if anyone in this room is venerable, it is not me. Oh, I was quite pleased you copped the venerable. Oh, part. really? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I will be the closet. I'll be the token venerable guy. If you would like me to bestow you with that title, you are more than welcome to. Steal you can be it. vulnerable. I've been exactly. I've been called much worse things, so I'll go with whatever's going. We have brought Guy in with us because he is the editor of Unique Cars Magazine and our, our resident authority on all things Holden. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope I can live up to that description. <laughs> We're absolutely confident you can. Um, yes. So, Guy, what are the VIN numbers of the uh, <laughs> 1970? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, before we go into the deep detail, because that's exactly what we want to do, um, we thought it was probably uh, prudent to, to give it all the coverage that it, it deserves. Um, let us begin by saying that for all our frivolity and joking about this, there are 600 jobs that are um, on the line here. Uh, 600 people will lose their job with the announcement that Holden will be no more in Australia or anywhere in the world for that matter. So that, that's what I want to say first. Um, as this is the latest in a catalogue of job cuts from, from Holden, and uh, this is the last. And our um, our thoughts are with those people as they look for... Now, Holden is saying it's going to look after those people as well as it has in previous years. For example, when uh, many more people lost their jobs after local manufacturing finished... Um, so we wish the very best of luck to those people as they look for other employment. Yeah, if you tally up that 600 with the number that lost their jobs, obviously when Elizabeth closed... 2,900, that 2,900. was. 2,900. So, yeah, yeah, you've got, what, 3,500 people now that had jobs that now don't. So and it's... there's a whole bunch of people out there in dealer land yep. Yep. Uh, who are very hard hit by this. They're already hard hit by the fact that Commodore had effectively died as a sales proposition. So. Yes, that's a very good point. There will be 200 people retained um, for the foreseeable future. They will be, of course, General Motors employees. They won't be Holden employees because there is no such thing mm-hmm. as of uh, the end of the year at the latest. Now, the, f- the best information we have at the moment is probably June is when the majority of those changes will have um, come into place. Uh, 200 people will be retained to obviously look after things like servicing and the parts distribution because Holden has a legal obligation to look after existing customers um, and it says it will do that for at least 10 years. So, gentlemen, why has this happened? Gosh, okay. Which we've got all the time in the world. Get comfortable, folks. Yes. Uh, um, a, there is a litany of reasons why this happened. Um, market shifted global financial crisis, poor management, international management, small market, all that sort of stuff. But essentially, Holden ceased to sell cars that people wanted to buy. Really. Like, if they sold a fantastic product that people wanted to buy, if they marketed it well, sold it well, it was a fantastic product, people would still buy it. We've seen that Ford, you know, obviously went through a similar similar transition, and it has its own struggles with its sort of mainstream cars, but... Thankfully for it, Ranger, it sells a product that people want to buy. Yeah. So it is weathered that storm somewhat. Um, so for me, it sort of comes down to that. Um, you know, the, like I said, the reasons why it sells the cars it does are many. But yeah, sadly, it 
didn't quite shift with the times enough and provide a um, competitive um, product. It yeah. is... It is that you can be that simplistic about it. Um, we've all done, a, 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 we've covered this over the last day that the news has been coming out. Um, you can be that simplistic and say, look, a car company's job is to sell cars. Yes. And if it doesn't sell cars, it ceases to exist. Yes. It's as simple as that. But obviously, there are so many more aspects to it yes. that lead to the company not selling yeah. enough cars. To yeah. Why does it sell the cars that it does? That, I suppose, is then the issue. Yes. So let's break it down into its various levels. Um, in Australia, Holden has been in trouble for many years. Mm-hmm. Arguably, the last three were the worst. It was down 30% uh, sales each year for the last three years consistently. Daniel, I have some numbers. You know how excited I get when you have numbers, Scott, please. So, I did a quick... Uh, I happened to come across this while doing a little bit of research. I haven't fact-checked them, but I believe they're accurate. Um, it just shows the... It illustrates why Holden's in the position it's in. So, right. 2005... Sold 174,000 cars in Australia. The following year, that fell to 146. Two years later, that was 130. A couple of years later, that was 114. And then last year, it was 43,000. Ouch. So from, say, say the high point of 2005 was 174. You know, it had a 30,000 drop the next year. But yeah, so in 15 years, we've gone from 174,000 to 43,000 cars. Is it any wonder the business is no longer sustainable. Exactly right. So there you have it in cold hard facts. I mean, that is sales flatlining effectively yes. for um, many years. And of all the interviews I've done, the, que- the same question that has been asked every time is, were you surprised? And to that, you have to say no, quite simply. No. When you look at those figures, um, you can see the inevitable looming. But I suppose what I'm surprised at is that it happened as suddenly as it did um, and mm. they didn't try one or two other things and what I mean by that is there was a theory being thrown around that they would rebadge a Chevrolet and keep going for a little bit longer with a rebranded Holden yeah and I mean, so that makes sense because so many of the products they sell currently are Chevrolets yeah. Equinox Acadia Colorado you know all those cars could transition quite seamlessly to a Chevrolet badge yeah I hear that the Holden Lion badge is incredibly expensive, and by simply swapping it to the very cheap Chevrolet badge, they could have saved millions. No, obviously what it means is there's <laughs> streamlining processes in there. They still have to make a car with a, a steering wheel on the right-hand side, yes. um, which is the expensive bit. Um, now, let's clarify on that point. Um, I heard yesterday that they're ceasing all right-hand drive production. That's not quite true, is it? Because there's one very significant car which still will be coming here. Yes, uh, that's a, a, there's a couple of very important points there. A... It's not just Holden. They haven't just picked on Holden. Like, they have a sort of. But the Holden ceasing is a corollary of GM exiting all right-hand drive markets. Like, you know, they're selling their Colorado plant in Thailand to Great Wall. Like, they're, they're out of Thailand. They're out of yeah um, everything, basically. And obviously, as part of that in Australia, Holden goes. Um, but, yes, isn't this a weird state of events, like... The one car they're continuing with is a right-hand drive Corvette. Yes. And so. that's the bizarre thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, kind of too little too late sometimes, you wonder, don't you? Exactly. Of all the cars to continue, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a expensive mid-engine sports car built in very small numbers. Yeah. And that was the car that Holden was kind of viewing as a halo model that would come here and not necessarily save the brand, but certainly give it a real good shot in the arm it, could, it badly needed. Yeah, sure. And now it's the only thing that's coming. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. We the... think, at, at the moment, that is currently the plan. Yes. 
Um, another thing I wanted to highlight is this obviously means the death of Holden in New Zealand as well, which yes. is significant because while Holden is has slipped to the status of challenger brand in Australia, uh, in New Zealand it's the fourth best-selling brand. Yeah, well, I mean, Chris, right. Christian Aquilina, who's the interim GM of Holden Australia, I believe, was brought in because of the fantastic job he'd done in New Zealand, keeping yeah. that brand afloat and alive, and as you say, fourth best um, fourth best seller. So it's going to leave a, you know, the New Zealand market isn't huge, but still it's going to leave a huge gap in that, uh, and someone said to me actually interesting um, yesterday, in Australia it does still leave, you know, there are now 43,000 cars, even though that's a small number for Holden. There are 43,000 buyers now that are going to go elsewhere. It's a, you know, it's a real opportunity, especially in the dual, the fiercely competitive dual cab segment. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 9,000 last year. 9,000 Colorado buyers are now going to go to Volkswagen, Ford, uh, you know, Mitsubishi, Nissan. So, yeah. Colorado was its best-selling model. It was. Um, and I don't know how many that was in itself. But, yeah, this this... We'll be able to see the effect of this in the sales figures that we get every mm. month. We'll actually see that ripple effect from the implosion of Holden as people... I wonder if those customers were actually thinking about betraying and leaving the brand as it was, you know, because people were obviously, the numbers say, were, were fleeing in droves. You know, that exodus from the brand had happened that started a long time ago. Yeah. I wonder if these final few that bought 40-odd thousand cars were kind of going, oh, well... Probably not going to buy another one. They're probably not brand loyal either. Mm. And, um, a Holden's point. massive misstep, really, was continuing the Commodore name, in hindsight at least, with, with the Opal product. That just angered so much of their base yeah. that uh, you, I think I think a lot of the Holden buyers, or rusted on Holden buyers, just walked away, where they may not have otherwise if they'd let the Commodore name die well, we can, and carry on with another model name. We can back that up with some numbers. Oh, Scott, please. So I talked I talk briefly about the, de- the decline, but in 2017, so obviously the last year that Holden made cars in Australia, it sold 90,000 cars. Yeah. Not great, but still double what it sold last year. And yeah, that next year it plummets from 90 to 66,000. So right. if they can say, you know, clearly having an Australian-made car was still very important to a lot of people. Absolutely. But actually, yeah. Guy, you make yeah. a really good point there. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking along the lines of, obviously, the end of local production was probably the biggest thorn in the side of any Holden fan. But you mentioned, yeah, the the Opal thing. Yes. I reckon yeah. that, yeah, it never really occurred to me. Well, there, there's a huge irony going on there, too, because the original VB Commodore was mm. out of an Opal platform. It was yep. a locally developed Opal platform. Uh, but when they brought the fully imported Opal in in 2018... Uh, to take over the Commodore name, there was a huge backlash. I mean, it was unbelievable anger on social media about it. I think that's uh, one of the points of when we get to mismanagement. Like Holden, perhaps rightly so, they had faith in their product, good on them, yep. but I think they it seems they badly misread the market in terms of, oh, no, 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 we've got this Commodore that's faster, safer, better to drive, more technologically advanced, all true. Mm. People didn't want to buy of it. Like, yeah. you misread your customer. Yeah. Yes. You tried to sell them, and you know you can go with that's all they had, so they had to make the best of a bad situation, perhaps. Um, but back to the original point, they tried to sell a car that people didn't want to buy. Totally. Forgive the unkind analogy, but it doesn't matter if you offer someone the shiniest, most pleasant-smelling poo in the world. 
if people don't want to buy a pair, I mean, I'm not saying the Commodore was yeah. a turd because it wasn't. It was an excellent car. But exactly what you're saying, Scott, don't try and offer people the best large sedan in the world if that's simply not what they want. They'll buy a mediocre SUV over a really good sedan every every day of the week. Yeah, and like I say, you know, it's not even coming down to product. We talked about maybe the products aren't competitive, but, you know, sorry Mitsubishi, but Mitsubishi does extremely well with a yeah fleet of very average cars. Yep. Um, but they've sign- they've identified people who want to buy those cars. Totally. So that's all that really matters. Yeah, it doesn't have to be people go, oh, their product lineup wasn't up, wasn't up to scratch, and maybe it wasn't it, Holden. But that's another example of where it fell down. Is that it? You know, it didn't present its products, whatever, however good or bad they were. And like you say, the, that's the other irony. The Commodore was a good car. I've driven it back to back with yeah. the Opal. Yep. It is much yep. better to drive than yep. the Opal. Um, but people didn't want it for whatever reason. And you mentioned Mitsubishi as another good example of a company that used to produce cars in Australia. Yeah, they transitioned mm. out, yep. And they they survived. Now, obviously, Mitsubishi is regarded as a Japanese brand, not, not an Australian brand. Yeah. But even so, there was still a hearty amount of patriotism r- around Mitsubishi when it made cars in Australia. People understood they were supporting the, the, the economy and the community and an Australian thing. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, Mitsubishi closed just before I started as a journey. But, right. guy, I mean, guy, you'd remember when that shut it up shop. But Well, exactly, and there was a lot of drama over that and Nissan local production. Yeah, that was Nissan all part well. of the yep. button plan. So you're going back to the mid-'80s and, and Hawke's uh, Hawk government. Mm-hmm. Uh, their plan was, as part of dropping the tariff walls, they wanted to see, or they were going to see, less local manufacture because they decided the market just wasn't big enough to support it. Well, they're probably right, but whether they caused, whether they're part of the cause or part of the effect is open for debate. Yeah, it's, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's another whole podcast, probably the whole button plan thing. Like, mm. it undoubtedly improved Australia's cars through greater competition because mm. some of them were probably a bit ropey before that because essentially, yeah. essentially, you know, they were competing with themselves. Um, should they have done, I mean, now I wrote an article recently, like cars now are so much cheaper than they were 20 years ago, like, yeah, in yeah. real terms. Yeah. It's crazy. So you can look at that and go, oh, well, they stuffed up. Like, if you flood the market with a whole lot of really desirable alternatives, of course, the cars that people were going to buy are now going to sell a lot less. Totally. Um, but, I mean, how much do you think the government actually played a role in this? You know, with this, they undoubtedly played a role, but through button plan, then obviously hockey goading them and Abbott government and all that sort of thing, turning the assistance down. How much do you think that played a role? It certainly played a role, but the market was changing. I mean, people weren't yeah. buying SUVs like they're going out of style uh, yes. 20 years ago. Yeah. So it's just the whole dynamics change. So trying to pin any particular cause on it, um, good luck with that. You know, there's a lot going on there. Because that's part of it. It's market segmentation. Like, you can always say, oh, why did they spend so much on VE? The large car segment was declining. But then you look at, so the decision was made in whatever, 2000, 2001, maybe earlier, yeah. to finalise that program, yeah. well, what were people buying? They were buying large sedans and droves. Exactly. If yeah. they had have yeah. said, oh, no, let's make a small SUV, they would have, A, been laughed at, the stockholders would have all left, and they yeah. wouldn't have had the volumes to sustain That's them. right. They probably would have signed their own death yeah. warrant earlier than it was as it stands. And the local production thing is like, you can't, the market's so fragmented now that you, you can't, no one model, even a Colorado, couldn't sustain the volumes you'd need to keep running a factory they'd have to make four or five models one of the 
it's not one of the disadvantages of Holden, but it's an advantage of virtually every other brand that gave it the advantage over Holden. Yes. Um, was the uh, platform sharing. Holden yes. is not great at platform sharing. In fact, what's the what's the Holden on? Was that Z? What was it called? Uh, Zeta? No, the VA was anyway oh, that Alpha. platform. I think it was Zeta. Yeah, and then yeah. It became Alpha. It didn't didn't really lend itself to anything else. No. So whereas all the other brands in the world who are now doing a sterling job of surviving and selling lots of cars to their target market have enormous platform sharing. Volkswagen is a great case in point. You can put virtually anything on an um, MLV or MQV. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably one of its failings as well. And again, like it goes back to somewhat international mismanagement. Like so They had so many things against them. Like, you know, VE was their like high point, completely Australian built and yeah. designed, billion-dollar program. They spent a bomb on it, and it was meant to be exported, and then the GFC... Killed GM, like effectively went bankrupt. Mm. They had to start again. Yeah. Killed all their programs. Export market went away. Exchange rate. So that is a is one of those confluence of factors that stack the deck against them. And at that point, it's sort of a hiding to nothing because they haven't got the support. And then GM's worried about putting out fires everywhere else in the world rather than Holden. And um, ironically, and I suppose at that point, decisions were made that you couldn't get to that platform share. Like, if you look around now, you know, Cadillac still exists. Buick's got a good presence in China. Maybe you could get the volumes worldwide out of a rear drive um, sedan platform. Mm. But all those little things, the fact that GM had to fall over and then start again, and then suddenly they built their own rear drive platform without the Commodore, all those little things. Like, it'll be a fascinating book. Whoever gets around to writing it or whatever, it'll be a fascinating book is if they can get the people to talk about what went wrong yeah when and why yeah so i think i can think of a number of journos that are actually scribbling away in their yeah. dungeons they're writing those right now <laughs> because this really is the final chapter in yeah. in holden and now is the time to write that book um this is also probably another really really good example and illustration of how the australian car buying public as a majority is incredibly price driven Yes, and also coupled with that, and this is a something that you really, something a real bit of context you must give in this whole argument, is that for a vast majority of car shopping people, they don't care about cars. No, no, um, absolutely. Could be buying a Kelvinator, it doesn't t- matter. Totally, yeah. it is yeah. white goods yeah. for many people. Yeah. And what you have to acknowledge is that we're not all car enthusiasts. When you say, "Oh, buy a buy a Commodore," it was awesome. It was great to drive, and people go, well, "What? It's great to what? I don't really care. Yeah. It's like I just want a car." That... And that is why Toyota, sorry Toyota, sells a hundred thousand cars in Australia every year because they build cars that people don't really care and why about. Is I'm Hyundai, sorry. Why is Hyundai so successful now? Because it came in and it offered pretty average cars, but it had a seven-year warranty, and they were cheap. Yeah, totally. And yep. now they've, you know, they still do that, but they make they that funded the investment to make. Good cars that have a seven-year warranty yes. and are cheap. Yes. Um, so as soon as you take away any last element of patriotism from mm. a brand, the car-buying, incredibly fickle public will talk with their wallets and their feet, and that's yep. really what happened. Yep. Um, can I say another point? Please. Management. I've got a list here of poor Holden. Since 2000 and, since 2007, it had nine managing directors. Wow. So in 13 years, it had... I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. You look at it and go, it never had a chance. Yeah, of course. Like, with if you don't have... Like, obviously, Mark Bernhard had a four-year run. Mark Devereaux, um, who was the first one I met, um, also had a four-year run. Um, but, but apart that, from that, it's just yeah. a revolving door. And how do yeah. you... 
in times of crisis... You'd follow them around with a moving truck, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Um, it's like, in times of crisis, what do you need? It's stable leadership to yeah. prevent a plan, yeah. you know, illustrate, um, sort of um, put that plan into place. Yeah. And if you've got people lasting less than a year in yeah. the top seat, yeah. what do you do? Like For, for me, I mean, that's, you raise an excellent point. For me, the absolute death knell was, um, was uh, Butner moving on. Now, I know that uh, yeah. Dave Butner moved for health reasons, as mm. we, we understand that's a reliable account and report. But even so, if he couldn't sort it out, yeah, no one could. So yeah. Dave Butner, for those who don't know, was at the top of Toyota Australia for many years and led that company through thick and thin and did a very good job of it. He was an absolute industry stalwart. He, that was his entire career. He was very, very good at leading big automotive corporations through good times and bad. Mm-hmm. And if he couldn't sort out Holden's problems, then I was convinced that no one could. Now, we never really will find out, partly because he moved on before, mm-hmm. but I, he must have known. He yeah, you'd think known. that... I mean, yeah. I, I was told yeah. by someone that when he started, he was showing the product lineup that's coming yeah. for Holden, and he went, oh, yeah, cool. But then, uh, then those slowly trickled away, I suppose, as GMs. I mean, the important thing is to think, why did GM do this? And GM did this, not because it's an evil, big, scum-sucking corporation. <laughs> like, it's being fiscally aware. Like, it's, yeah. it's it pulled out of... Mary Barra came in and said it needed to keep this thing afloat. Mm. And she's been a good executive. She went, where does our business lose money? It loses money... It loses... I'll say a shitload, even though I probably shouldn't. Shitload of money in Europe, billions of dollars. Pull out of Europe. Sell, the, sell it. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Parasitic losses. Lose a shitload of money in right-hand drive markets. Get rid of it. Because it needs to focus all its investment on the market that does do well and EV strategy, which is going to cost a fortune. And you can't fund EVs if you're losing 100 million, 200 million, 500 million in right-hand drive markets. So, yeah, you can go up to General Motors and go, oh, they're so mean. But, like, you have to... To be fiscally responsible for your stakeholders, you have to have a profitable company. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happened so she's she is being a good manager absolutely um, absolutely um the question of that and obviously is will it work gm is in is in deep trouble it's this is classic uh, cost cutting slash mm. and burn trying to stem the hemorrhaging losses around the world will it work this is, as you've already talked about europe and and electric vehicle development now we've got holden gone from australia and new zealand What's it going to take to stop this this decline? I think it will work because if they're concentrating on the bits that actually make money, GM's still big enough that even just with the US market, US, South America, something else, yeah. um, you know, well, sooner they're doing late, the right thing at least. Sooner or later, it has to, declines have to stop. You know, yeah. there's, it's, it's binary. It's either one or zero yeah. or somewhere in between. And sooner or later, it has to stop. The question is, what will stop it? In Holden's case, in a sort of small case, relatively speaking, um, it was the worst. It, yeah. it ended. Much like when we talked about the Volkswagen scandal. I never saw a point with Volkswagen crumbling into uh, you know, an implosion and disappearing, as so many people predict it. Yeah. Volkswagen is too big to ever yeah. cease to exist. And I think the same applies to General Motors. It will always be an entity of some description. But if it can't halt this decline, where does it stop? Does it just become this sort of um, red dwarf, sort of inert, doing nothing? Or... Does it? I don't know. I don't have the answer. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll find out. Like, in the next five, ten years, it's going to be enormous. It's a different topic for a different day, but yeah, it's going to be an enormous shift as the world... All these car makers have to make a hell of a lot of cars that yeah. no one at the moment wants to buy. And 
a lot is happening at the moment. I mean, when you say too big to fail, remember Kodak? Yeah, it's yeah. The, the giant in the imaging industry. Fair and point. Look yeah. what happened there. So, And similar causes. A ch- change of technology, change of market. And not moving with the times fast yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair point. Um, shall we talk a bit about what's coming next? Before we do that, yes. yes, I'd love to. But before we do that, let's talk about some of our favourite Holdens. Okay. Let's, let's look to the past before looking to the future. Yes. Um, well, there's only one person in the room who I really Let's start with. Exactly. One of, only one of us owns a Holden. That's right. And yes, and Scott and I don't really have the experience, should we say, to comment no. with great authority. And I'm I wouldn't say I'm venerable I enough. Well, I don't even... Oh, here we go. Here we go. I don't even have... Shades of venerable. Yes. yes. And I don't even have the right accent either. So, over to Guy. Let's talk about some of your favourite Holdens and moments in Holden history. Okay. Um, I think... Uh, Favourite Holdens? Boy, this is so tribal that we are <laughs> going to be in so much trouble no matter what I say yeah, from here on. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose what it's not just hell? Ford versus Holden, is it? It's no, like, no. how could you like a Tirana over a Kingswood? Oh. Or how could you like a Commodore over a Monaro or something like that? <laughs> I went to a car show and I had the 48 215 owners arguing with the FJ owners. <laughs> almost to the point of fisticuffs. They were too old to hurt each other. That's wonderful. Walking sticks at dawn, wasn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, their parting shot because I, I, I've got two Holdens at the moment. My pa- the parting shot was, uh, they looked at my HZ and said, suppose you've got a heater in that. The implication <laughs> being, you weak so-and-so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> heater, who knew? great, uh, exactly. So, um, Favourite Holden, look, you can't walk away from 48215 as yep. the first locally produced car. Sure, it, a lot of it was done in a Chevrolet design mm-hmm. studio in the States. Was it the case that the F... J, what came next? FJ? FX? FJ? FX is the interim model. FJ is, yeah. FX there was a lot, often, it was a big right. step forward, though, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Uh, a, lot of under, a lot of the underpinnings yeah. changed. Um, they, they pulled some cost out of it because the FX grill, even today, if you go to restore an FX, it looks like half your budget's going to be spent on the grill. Yeah, right. Hugely complicated mm. piece of piece of metal work. It's not being spent on the heater. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so, look, they're sentimental favourite with them because they're, they're big rock. They're, have you ever driven one? Interesting, yes. They're interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 48215? Yes. I've actually yeah. driven one as well, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. Um, you can understand why they were popular at the time, because if you compare it to... <laughs> they moved faster than a horse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. That's about it. There's a bit of that going on. Uh, you compare it to the equivalent Morris of the period. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was big. It was bulletproof. It literally floated along mm-hmm. local grumpy roads. So it had all that going for it. Put it into a corner at your peril. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. And if you ever want some amusement, chuck a couple of people in the back seat and just go to any corner at about 40 kilometres an hour. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, yeah, it's like it's, it tacks up wind and uh, <laughs> the passengers <laughs> go slide along gloriously onto the outside doors. <laughs> My experience in 48215 was on Holden's test track at the, on the high speed loop, believe it or not. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah, and so the, the advantage there is it is slightly banked. So you didn't have yeah, the, right. the perils yeah. of going around a real corner. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason I'm still alive today. Uh, I reckon the big watershed car for Holden was the HQ, the mighty HQ, for all sorts of reasons. Culturally, they sold a quarter of a million of the things. They've been raced to within an inch of their lives, Mm -hmm. Um, all those sorts of things. And there's still a whole... There's generations of people out there who still remember growing up in them. Mm. Uh, And that, to me, that's probably been the biggest cultural change within that whole classic car scene in the last probably five years or so. People are latching onto those 70s cars in particular... Mm. 
and they're chasing the family models yep. because mm, the, the, right. the hero models have become unaffordable. Yeah, you know, right. An A9X is a $350,000 car if it's the right one. Wow. I mean, seriously, you know, we're yeah. talking about a Holden. But there I drink one of those as well. Oh, <laughs> no. Um, but there's a perfect the, example of, like, the HQ wasn't that good a car, like, in terms of a dynamic sense. No, no, no it's terrible. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Understeered for the rest of the week, but, basically. Yeah. Again, <laughs> delivered what the market wanted. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Looks yeah. great. Yeah. Went okay. Yeah. Um, affordable, yeah, affordable, plenty of space. So there you go. And obviously, yes. good for Australian yeah. roads. Yeah, they got yeah. that right, and then they fixed it over. By the time yeah. I suppose they get to HJ, HZ, that sort of stuff. Once you, st- once you start to get radial tune suspension, yeah. they actually pointed more or less yeah. where you where you. Mr. Hennenberger. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and without question, argu- no arguments, please. The best looking Holden to date. Oh yeah, there you go. Ooh. Now that's interesting. Um, a lot of people would agree with you. Mm. Um, I'd I'd probably go Tirana hatchback. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah um, I'd, I'd probably one. argue for that one. But then again, look, there's big, big handsome cars. Like I've got a real soft spot for early statesmen too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, big yeah, long yeah. stretch thing. Um, people like uh, I'm just trying to think of his name now. The American or Canadian designer who came over here, uh, Leo Prino, oh, uh, yeah. who's, who's still getting around. Uh, still turns up at car shows and does talks here and there. He's cool. famous for developing the SS Kingswood mm. out of some 3M tape and about $4.50 budget. Mm. And the thing <laughs> sold like hotcakes. They yep. couldn't, they just couldn't make them fast enough. Uh, Leo always felt the uh, HQ looked a bit down in the tail. He never liked that. Which And he was responsible for uh, later versions like the HZ getting that bump in the rear boot lid mm-hmm. to try and give it a bit more bulk yeah, yeah. on the rear. So Leo wouldn't necessarily agree with you. But Leo's <laughs> pretty fussy. Um, but look, there's lots of icons along the way. VK range, you'd have to say there was a real hype there with the VL Turbo. Brock, VL Turbo. VL Turbo is one of my favourites. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you of... remember at the time when, obviously, when did it come in? V... VL? Yeah. With, the, with the Nissan engine. Yes. Got, was that a hugely controversial? Yeah, okay. Hugely. Mm. Not going to buy that. It's got a because Japanese engine yeah, in it. Yeah, there's a, there's a, obviously the fact that the Opal became a, you know imported car. Yeah. But there was one, it was sort of the first step in that direction in that, okay, it was still locally made, but it now had an imported engine. Yes. So it was yes. still, it was controversial. It was. People swore black and blue they wouldn't buy one. You wouldn't see one in the RSL car park, all mm. that sort of thing, until they drove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they drove it and they realised, A, it was bulletproof and B, it was fast. Yep. Uh, and now, at the moment, anything VL, it mm. might as well be gold-plated when you look at the prices uh, for anything for restoration. Wow. I've, I've spent, I've bought really good cars for less than a VL interior would cost you at the moment. So it's just <laughs> oh, wow. unbelievable. So you've got HL, what's your second Holden? Uh, I've got a VK wagon, which is a work oh, in yeah. progress at the moment. Oh, so right. I, I bought that when it was relatively cheap. So. Yep. Uh, then I've just no money at the moment, but we'll get there eventually. Um, well, off topic, but mm. while we have you, Guy, how many yes. motorbikes do you own? <laughs> how do we get? Well, that's not even a segue. <laughs> because you just said you don't that's have a, a lot of money, and I'm like, well, I think there's probably a veritable gold oh, mine. Okay, there's over. You don't 20... ask a lady her dress size, and you don't ask a man how many motorbikes he's got. It's too late. Big in this. I have no. Um, yeah, uh, I've got over twenty bikes and <laughs> half a dozen cars at the moment. So I literally have to step off the property to change my mind. That's what it's like at my house at the That's moment. That's amazing. Oh God. Um, have you ever hold? Have you ever owned a Holden? Sorry, that sentence didn't go. Very I have well, not actually. owned a Holden, and actually, I grew, grew up driving Fords. My dad always had Fords. Mm. Um, one of the first Holden experiences I had, actually, a few of my mates had 
the VS Commodore. It was all, all about the VS Commodore. And I think that's actually a really good looking car, especially the sporty ones. Uh, or VR, VS. They had good stance and the tracks got better and stuff like that. Um, and man, did they do a good single wheel burnout. <laughs> that's, you know, when you're 17 or 18 and you got your parents' cars, uh, that and all the roof lining fell out. That was the VS thing as well. So, um, <laughs> And then I actually drove... It's a picture, isn't it? One-wheel burnout with a roof <laughs> down <laughs> over your eyes. So. It's amazing we're here at all. It's a great um, image. And one of the first cars I drove was actually uh, Nathan Ponchard, formerly of this parish and Unique yes. Cars Parish. Yep. Uh, his HR Premier, his oh, beloved oh, HR yes. Prem. Yes. That was my first... So my first column shift experience was in yeah. a Holden, mm-hmm. in your boss's Holden. That's yeah. no pressure at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then obviously, you know, my career last 10 years has been sort of VE Commodores onwards and have had plenty of good moments in them. Um, what's your, what's your favorite Holden? Had to buy one. Well, yesterday I was asked what I believe to be the golden era of Mm -hmm. Holden. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The correct answer is HQ for all the reasons the guy just listed. Mm -hmm. But my answer was because I'm such a relatively new Australian, exactly what you just said, Scott, really my majority of my experience with Holdens have been the Commodore, the V, and the VF. Yep. And uh, for me, that's that was the golden era because it was a time when Holden has never built such a good car. Yes. And there's that sad irony that that's when things started to go wrong, yeah. when just when they were building the best car they ever had. The thing, guys, guys, you could speak to this, is that we talk about, we reminisce about the old times for the HK, then the HQ, then the V, the, the Commodore came along. Yeah. But a lot of that was Holden stumbling Oh, absolutely. From one, you know, yeah. one foot in the bankruptcy, one foot yeah, in, yeah. you know, the, the Commodore introduced uh, and was bodged together. Yep. So, yeah, VE was the first time, in terms of flexing its muscles and its might and its power, VE was it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, guy, all through the 80s, everything, oh, Holden was one foot out the door. Uh, VB very nearly sent them to the wall. Yeah. Uh, they were in all sorts oh, of trouble. They, VB they, they, they very nearly sent me to the wall several times. <laughs> well, that's an entirely <laughs> to the, different... To the floor. Yeah, that's more of a handling From the windows to the wall. <laughs> Sorry, carry yeah. on. But uh, I mean, they misstepped. You know, Ford went for the for the big XD, and yep. Holden went for the midsize VB because of all the panic over the fuel crisis, mm. and the fuel crisis didn't really eventuate. And fickle markets. We've been discussing that, guessing what people are going to do next. People basically decided they don't give a rat's ass about fuel consumption at the time. They yep. wanted the big car, and yep. Holden yep. was blessed not of anything of its own doing but then Ford killed the V8 mm. that gave yes. Holden such yeah. a big yes. leg up yeah. so it had misstepped with the Commodore having a smaller car yeah. but then by keeping the V8 it suddenly got all the enthusiasts back Brock was back exactly. and stuff like that So and they'd done things like the Round Australia trial they yep. won that there was, and Brock was such a huge factor in that mm. whole that whole thing and bringing Commodore making Commodore acceptable basically yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk Holden all day though should we move on to what's next for GM perfectly timed yes Let's talk about the future. Okay, so General Motors has said yesterday in numerous statements that it will have some presence in Australia, but it won't be a big one. Or it said minimal. For, yeah, yeah, or for very long. So we're all interpreting that in our own ways. What do we think it means by that? Uh, so the press release says um, speciality GM specialty vehicles. Yes. Um, we don't know yet. They said more information on this will be forthcoming. I suppose probably about the time Holden ceases. Yeah. Reading between the lines, you'd think it would be Camaro or probably Silverado and Corvette. Yeah. 
and maybe they'll bring in... I suppose it's clever in one way because by just saying GM specialty vehicles, mm. they now have carte blanche to yes. put in whatever... They, if they want to put a Cadillac in, no problem. So that yeah. fits. Yeah. If they want to put a Buick in or a big yeah. SUV or a pickup truck or whatever it is, um, the real question will be how many of those dealers are prepared after what they've just gone through yeah. to stump up the real estate to sell these cars. Yes. Um, and, of course, we have to mention in the same breath HSV and Walkinshaw and all their mm. involvement with the conversions of cars. So um, I think HSV, the way it has handled itself and operations since the beginning of the end for yes. Holden, has been genius. Absolutely. Um, they have completely distanced themselves from the brand so that if this were to ever happen, and I don't know how much inside information they got, a little more than you, we did, I expect, they would completely um, protect themselves from mm. any... Um, undesirable effect. I was thinking about this last night. Like the difference between in the last, say, three, four years, maybe five years, I guess since they announced their, they were stopping man- manufacturing, that was yeah. the sort of line in the sand. Um, and the difference in management between then, like Holden has struggled so mightily, mm. yet HSV has done a, because when it first happened, everyone thought, oh, well, HSV's cooked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Without how Holden, how can you have yeah. Holden special vehicles? Yeah. Yeah. And they've done such a brilliant job of, making a new business. Yeah. Zagging when everybody else was zigging. <laughs> um, how sustainable it is. Well, Rams are certainly sustainable. Oh, they're, they're, they're pumping proving, them out like mad. Th- I, th- I don't think they could be doing any better given yeah. the circumstances. Um, so they've got Ram, they've got Silverado as well. Yep. They've got the Camaro. And crucially, they've now got the they've now got precedent within GM to say we can do this. Exactly, exactly. So um, so maybe that's what GM is talking about when it says there mm. will be a presence in Australia a bit minimal. And yeah. and maybe these specialty vehicles are exactly what HSV Walkinshaw is doing already. Yeah. That could well be yeah. the future. Yeah. yeah, ironically. I mean, it's it's so weird, though, that HSV have brought in these vehicles that people want, albeit, albeit in smaller numbers. Mm. But still, they've done it when Holden did Like, why weren't the Silverados in... There even is, with the conversion, even yeah, with the conversion yeah, process, yeah. Yeah. why no. could why could Walkinshaw get that off the, that deal off the ground? But there are so many questions yeah. to ask along the you know yeah, why yeah. didn't you do this? Yeah. And whether we'll ever get those answers, who knows? That's right. Um, but if we could end on an optimistic note, what I would love to say or, or believe is that we have finally reached the bottom of the barrel. It can't get any worse, can it? No. Um, Holden is gone, which is terrible, and that will always be a great loss, whether you love the cars or not, or whatever association you have with the brand. It is gone. Whether it ever comes back in some sort of boutique capacity one day, when As someone an EV, or when someone sees value to return and you know it's a retro mm. cachet, I don't know. Perhaps the most optimistic thing we can say is it can't get any worse. General Motors will continue on doing its thing, whether that's you know particularly Australia centric or this part of the world mm-hmm. at all. Um, but at least now we can just watch things get better. They can only improve. Can well, the other not? thing is that you know Australia's most competitive car market in the world, with Infinity and Holden now gone, the pressure has eased somewhat slightly. There are you know yeah. forty three thousand plus what Infinity sold, so about forty three thousand ten. <laughs> um, sorry, Nissan. Um, <laughs> Sales now up for grabs going forward. Totally. Yes. And we had a really Sorry, diabolical year. No, it's fine. <laughs> the artistic license and humour is what we need on a day like today. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. Things so going- hopefully, Holden comes back like Singer making retro modded A9Xs. Brilliant. 
Perfect. That's what yeah. we're... Okay, good. Why not? Let's just end on that note. Should we be a positive one? And once again, our thoughts are obviously with those 600 people that have to look for new jobs now. Um, uh, we hope that Holden does them the service that they deserve and, and gives them all the assistance they need. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming together to discuss this at last minute. It's like calling Parliament back in an emergency. <laughs> thank you. Um, hopefully the next time we come together, we'll chat about uh, slightly more positive things. And let's look to a, a brighter 2020 with hopefully general sales all a little bit more buoyed. Until next time, at our more regular time slot, thank you so much for listening. Do tune in again and get in touch with us any way you desire. Whichcar.com.au is the way online and you can get through all our social media channels there and obviously pick up a copy of Unique Cars magazine along with Motor magazine and all of the fabulous publications we do. My name is Daniel Gardner. Goodbye.